Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, I want to give you guys at home a shout out because we just reached a thousand followers on Instagram recently. So huge thank you for that. You can follow us if you haven't at BatFanAddict, A-D-D-I-C-T. And I am going to be joined as always by my co-host Ben and Evan today. Got to shout out our longtime sponsor, Radar Toys. You can shop RadarToys.com, get free shipping in the U.S. and save 10% extra using the code BATFANPOD. Now, today we are getting back into comics out of the Zack Snyderverse and into the Scott Snyderverse, okay? This is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Joker horror tale, Death of the Family. All right, episode 35, we're doing Death of the Family, back to the new 52. This dropped in 2012. Written by Scott Snyder and James Tynan IV. Penciled by Greg Capullo and Jock. Inked by Jonathan Glapian and Jock. Colored by FCO and Dave Barron. Lettered by Richard Starkings, Jimmy Betancourt, Sal Cipriano, and Taylor Esposito. Uh, opening thoughts. What do you guys think? I love this book. Yeah, it's been a while. It's a horror, it's a horror story. Yeah, totally. It's like we got a little bit of that in the, the Court of Owls, like hallucination stuff. And this is more in that real dark direction. Yeah, fun to read more of Capullo's stuff that made it a little more obvious to me, like how much of his work is normally dark. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, having only read Court of Owls, I, I didn't really know what to think. Like, is this standard or is this part of this story that he's telling? But reading this then shows how much dark is a part of his work, but then throw in the additional actual horror movie grotesqueries mm -hmm. to make it even more over the top. I had a really good time with it. The more that I read his stuff, his art is like, it's on my list somewhere, but he's not one of my faves in any ways, but I have a really good time reading his stuff because this will sound kind of mean. It's not meant to sound mean, but it's like, it's like the bare minimum of comics, but done better to me. And I just really enjoy myself when I'm reading his stuff. And that's a weird thing because I know that this is like a gross story, but <laughs> I'm, I'm having, yeah, but I'm having like the same way that I would have a good time reading a Tintin book. And it just seems like an awesome, fun adventure that I'm lost in. I also feel like that when I read Capullo's stuff. You're like the flies on dead skin, really just... Uh, <laughs> you know, the tension, snowy, Joker's <laughs> rotted face. You know, it's all yeah. the same to me. I really liked the darker palette. That made me like Greg Capullo's stuff even more. Because as uh -huh. much as I liked the bright color palette of Court of Owls, I kind of think what you're saying, his work looks good with these muted colors and the dark colors. Yeah. And I feel like some of his designs kind of like he refined them. Batman didn't look so like beefy or like kind of like muscle head looking. Uh -huh. For sure. I mean, that was his entrance to Batman. And so by this point, I think it starts on issue 13. So they've been doing it a year. You know, like you mentioned, colors make a big difference. And the more that I've read this stuff, 
the more that I really appreciate Jonathan Glapian, I think that he is the secret weapon of this team. I mean, because they work together a lot. Capullo, Glapian, and FCO. And they're kind of the Jim Lee and Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair combo that just like when you see one of them, you probably see all of them. Uh-huh. But I really think that Glapian is is uh, bringing something great to the table because like we talked about before, when you look at his pencils, you know, Capullo is so like manic and crazy and, and uh, it's rad, but... I don't know. There's something he does that just elevates this beyond what it could be. Yeah, we've talked about that in the past. It's really interesting to see because what generally what we're doing is following like a writer or an artist's work around, but it would be kind of interesting instead to like track an inker's work history. Yeah, see how they start and where they're at the middle of their career. And yeah, and then you could see how, because if you picked artists, like pencilers that were totally different, then you could really make the connection between what it is that the inker is like bringing to the table and what tools must they be using that make this person's and this other person's pencils look similar. We talked about it before. I, I almost wouldn't know what to do with Capullo's stuff. Like if they made me ink it, I'm like, oh, okay, it takes a lot of interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And he kicks butt. And then additionally, the colorists, I'm going to compare this stuff to watercolors maybe. There's like a real, like a layered wash thing going on that's like very cool. Well, I had a question. Did Glapian do Court of Owls also? Yeah. I think that the more that we've done this show, just the more that I become a little bit more attuned to this stuff because we're, I come from being the movie fan guy more than you guys read comics, you know? And so uh-huh. I think the more we discuss it in depth and the more that I follow these guys and and look at Glapian's sketches on his own and things like that, the more I start to really appreciate the extra detail here. Well, this whole book, just compared to Court of Owls, looked much more, kind of like what you're saying with the watercolor look like, it looked far less digital. Yeah. Uh It looked more natural, and some of that's the texture of the colors, but I didn't know how much some of that was maybe like differences in the line work, or it just looked a little more natural, and I liked that a lot. Yeah, I think it's mostly just the coloring style. I can't tell, um, unless I was to look at Capullo's stuff and we were doing like decades apart, yeah. then I think I would see some big differences. But otherwise, he he seems like he works so much and he works so quickly that a lot of it looks pretty similar to me. And I think that it really is the the colorist just making choices and which is kind of cool you know because if if it would be interesting to look at court of owls compared to this and then just to bear in mind that one is more of a detective story with these random horror elements and then this one is like pretty much just a scary story and if if you try to think that that all these elements are trying to work together so it's cohesive but also what kind of story are they trying to tell then it only makes sense that maybe the stuff in this would be darker. So he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to hit it with this. You know, this gets a brighter palette because it's telling X kind of story. It's a love story. So they're warm colors. And this one is a horror movie. So it looks like doo-doo the whole time. And it's dark and scary. Yeah. And I think even just comparing with the backup issues of Jock and Dave Barron, I mean, you can see 
the difference in more of like a classic comic color palette. Like they still work very well together, but those backups do have a little more bold to it, even though they're drawing from like say similar tones. Um, uh-huh. But but what FCO is doing, I can't quite put my thumb in it. I can't compare it directly to anybody because it has a very unique sort of muted vibe to it. It's not Long Halloween and it's not Killing Joke. It's just kind of its own thing and it does it very well. Actually, talking about the colorist makes me just that more impressed just thinking about like work in general because it's always like the penciler is going to do his thing and he got picked for this story for a reason they kick butt or they work well with this writer they've got a buddy team going on or something the inker gets picked because they've shown that they can do their stuff they probably work in a timely manner they translate this person's stuff well like type but talking about the colorist like the colorist is always the one who has to adapt because they are they're the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. They also get picked because they've shown that they do good work, but what they bring is like, it like ends up being everything because they could not make or break it. Like it is critical. And yet they could also be the thing that like elevates it even further. And then if you saw that person then go work on a completely different title, it'll be totally different. That's like asking a potter to then go like build a house, you know, these brick wall or something. Yeah. You know, like color, color is their thing, but at the same time to like, I only work in a neon color palette. Well, that's only going to get you X jobs. Then not everybody wants a neon color palette. So not only do you have to like kick butt and, you know, meet deadlines, but also adapt from like project to project and to bring like a totally different look. That's super impressive. You know, the, when you say that, it makes me think of Alex and Claire again, because I am so familiar with his work with Jim Lee, but then I remember him posting something from the like Jimmy Palmiati, uh, or however you say his name, Harley Quinn stuff. And I was like, uh-huh. Wait, you did that? And it's got the same sort of bright and bold as like the all-star stuff they did, but with this totally different, almost more cartoony backdrop of it. And I thought, wow, okay, I, I'm not used to seeing you in other contexts. It's very interesting. And, uh-huh. and as I say that, now I'm thinking, okay, maybe the comparison I was looking for for FCO is Sinclair, but on Hush. Mm. Okay, because uh, because a cool color yeah, palette, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and very muted. Kinda, it's been a while since I've read Hush, but Hush has a little bit of that digital look that the earlier stuff in this run has. Well, oh. not necessarily the technique, but just the tone palette. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah, everything in that is like um, milder toned versions of all. It's not that it doesn't include like greens or blues or reds or something, but everybody, it's all like a muted version of the same stuff. Yeah, it's very like desaturated. And, it, mm-hmm. and in Hush, they did some of that cool stuff where they must, I think of like the cover specifically, where the face in the center is like inked and the background is just the scanned pencils and then the pencils are colored so that those like really stand apart from each other. Mm-hmm. I thought it was strange because each of the issue credits, the colors is never listed. 
Oh yeah, you're right. It doesn't include them. That's so lame. Like they, they'd be the ones to Sorry. get their names like not even on the cover. You know, like the cover yeah. ends with Glapian, not even Jocks on there. You know. I like those backup issues because even though that style was different, I mean, even though you had mentioned that they were backup issues, I didn't notice it until like the yeah. third or fourth one because they're just very consistent with the rest of the story. They don't feel like wild. Yeah, it totally works. Uh It's almost like an epilogue to each issue. And, you know, I think the writing is consistent. The main difference is that Jock's style is just more bold and less kind of wispy, you know? Mm -hmm. But the whole crediting thing is the whole reason that when I met James Tynan, I was like, God, I know your name, but I can't think of what the hell books that I've read them in. I have you in my collection. And Mm -hmm. I, I had to ask him. You know, and he's like, "Well, I did this, I did this, I did this." I'm like, "Oh, you're in the fucking court of out, yeah, yeah." You did all the backups, of course. Yeah, you're not on the fucking cover, like you should be. He didn't earn it yet. (laughs) Yeah, now he's the main Batman writer. Pretty cool. I also didn't mind those chapter ends or whatever we're calling those interludes because the art style wasn't such a departure from the main art style. So it didn't really take me out of it. And the other thing I actually liked that it followed the same pattern and that it existed after all the chapters. So at least I had that. And then also it was a little bit more palatable for me because they didn't just drop a full issue there or some kind of unrelated storyline. It continued it, but then also it was just a couple pages and then back to what I was doing. As opposed to just, like Nightfall, where it'd be like, and here's two issues by someone else. Like, what? Totally. About somebody who's somewhere else in the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like loosely related and also so long that I got to get into this before returning to this rather than just a little aside. And then I was okay with the pattern of revisiting it multiple times in shorter doses. I found that that worked for me. Totally. Well, speaking of writers, let's uh, get into the story here by Scott Snyder. Gordon and Bullock are discussing the two-headed lion born at the Gotham Zoo that scared everyone. And people are talking about, like, bad omens and shit. Joker cuts the power at the police station and kills everyone in the bullpen by hand, no less, except Gordon. And we find that he has stolen his face from evidence. And I just have to address this because the first time I read this story, I was left, like we've mentioned before, kind of without the editor's note of like, well, I've seen... Why doesn't he have a face? Yeah, like I've seen the cover. I've seen little bits of this artwork. I'm like, this looks amazing. I can't wait to see how this happened. They sort of retroactively explain it as an aside later, but the whole like doll maker cutting his face off thing, I had to search that out on my own years ago because it's never here. It's not in a flashback. It's just sort of explained away real quickly. And that's too bad. Had either of you guys read what led up to this before reading this? I read the story in order, but I didn't read that because that's before the Snyder run, I think, isn't it? I, I don't remember if it's before the reboot or if it's just in like a different title, like it might be under Detective. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. It's been a while since I read that, but 
yeah, I was disappointed at the time going like, well, we just read one through 12, the court of owls. None of that shit was mentioned. I swear I went from 12 to 13. And what the hell, <laughs> yeah. I could tell that it wasn't really relevant. They were spelling it out. Like he's been gone for a year. He's got no face. What more do you need to know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess that's... Uh, like, yeah, that's, that's happened yeah, to everybody. I, totally yeah, I normal. Trip over the minutia. Just, uh, yeah. just is what it is. No face, it's fine. Yeah, that's, um, that's not a unique thing that's really needing any explanation. Just okay, you know, Don't worry about that. We'll accept it. Joker's buddies with a gold member, you know, find his face in the skin box. <laughs> <laughs> Save him from himself. He's just got to get his stuff back. So here we get Joker being very Joker. He goes on live TV, threatening the mayor. And he does so by puppeteering a guy who has Joker's face strapped to him. And Joker's controlling his arms and stuff. And we're getting a very clear picture of what kind of story this is going to be. Again, familiar setup, but real nasty. You know, just... Foul, and this guy turns out to be the son of his first victim who had been similarly executed on live TV. And so Batman is going, all right, he is recreating his early appearances here, you know, and that kind of becomes the puzzle that we're trying to solve. When it serves the added purpose of introducing this version of the Joker, yeah. this is the first time he's seen in their version of the character. Yeah. The mayor's security detail, it's kind of like in the dark night. You've got Loeb there, and he has have the cops all around him, and then he sips from his glass, and is like, oh, fuck, you know, right? And in this case, it's like, look, we've tested you a thousand times. We've got every entrance covered. And then it turns out that the security detail, all these cops are the ones who become jokerized. Evidently, there's some line about the chemical in the floor, uh, cleaner being the activating agent, which I, I kind of like because it's a little bit like Jack Napier in 89. Like, you know, hairspray alone won't do it, but hairspray with eyeshadow or, you know, whatever combinations. Uh, uh -huh. you know. So it's loose, but kind of a nod to that. I felt mini confused for a second where the guards transform and like in the bottom right of the one panel that really shows them like going to town. Yeah. The one appears to be like puking blood on the other one yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I couldn't, but i couldn't tell if he was puking blood or well, actually my first inclination was like oh they got turned into zombies and he's like eating his guts mm. and also i thought that that was like that's also the rush you know because they're all transforming into zombies and they're gonna eat the mayor not like oh they're just all gonna die and the joke's on me kind oh. of but then by the time we got to the gordon part I was like, oh, they're just, I mean, one, the guards didn't do anything. They just got Dying. bloody and, yeah, they just Which got bloody and gross terrifying. and it collapsed. Yeah, it's gross though. But then when Gordon is like bleeding from his thumbnails, I, uh, oh, it just makes you bleed out of your spots, I guess. Well, there's, there's an interesting thing they do with this because if we're to talk about 89, Everyone does basically just drop We've dead about into the <laughs> grimace. <Let's not. laughs> I don't want to revisit that pooper. Fuck you. But I'm saying the difference being that in this one, the jokerized people 
they do kind of become this bloodthirsty, not zombies, but like murdering each other. You know, well, later, but these people, he just kills them all just to say, like, psych, I'm actually going to kill everybody but the guy I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would be terrifying if you were in a room and everyone around you died like that. Yeah. And you also just killed all those other cops, so yeah. your, but, your workforce has been thinned. It's kind of yeah. like, I'm not going to kill you, I'm just going to traumatize you for life, you know? Yeah. yeah. That scene You'll never get the smell up. Um, gross. <laughs> no. That scene in particular... Uh, gave me like the first part of the walking dead comic vibes with the first artist, mm. just like how, I mean, it does look like a zombie comic, despite the fact they're not zombies, just how grotesque of a death that is for so mm-hmm. many people. <laughs> As you, uh, leaned forward toward your camera, Ben, uh, I could only see from below your nose and down to your chin. And I was like, you know, he would look pretty good in a Batman cowl. <laughs> Yeah, I have big dick sucking lips as we call it. Wow. I mean, I was just watching a video of uh, a life size Affleck statue Infinity Studios just put out. It looks fantastic. And, uh, you know, they're showing all the detail around the mouth or whatever. Mm. And then you lean up right up to the camera, and I was like, you know, he could pull it off too. He can do it. Yeah. He's got a face made for a cow. He's got a good chin. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> you got a face what? for radio, no, son. It's the opposite. It's, a, it's like Sam's radio voice thing. Yeah. Take it how you want it. It's supposed to be a compliment. You have a beautiful, you have a beautiful chin face. Okay. So, Joker, who is in the classic Red Hood attire, not the Jason Todd, but the old school, the killing joke Red Hood, speaks of his plan to kill the bat family because they're holding you back that's what he says to batman right you yeah exactly like you you think this is what you want but you need to be this you know vicious creature of the night he traps batman in this vat of chemicals here at ace and we realize that the red hood underneath is actually harley and even she seems a little disturbed by what's going on. There's like a speaker in the helmet or something. So Joker's kind of uh, just puppeteering again. Uh-huh. You know, he, he's using her as a ventriloquist dummy. Batman's trapped in this thing while the real Joker shows up at Wayne Manor with a hammer and the two-headed lion and takes Alfred. Which is adorable, by the way. I would take that thing in a heartbeat. But wow, uh, already, I mean, just what a wild scene. I, the, the giant hammer swinging is a very comic book thing to happen. I swear to God, that's from an animated series episode. I can almost guarantee it. Where They're like on a... You know, like in, in the cartoons, it's always like on a conveyor belt into an incinerator or something, yeah. you know, but then there's like a big swap, you know, and I, I swear to God that's from one of the cartoons, but I couldn't place well, it. seems pretty cartoony. <laughs> pretty bad situational awareness on his part to not notice. Yeah, yeah. That's humongous that's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Mark <laughs> That panel where he's... He's got the mask on, he's in the tank, it's filling up, and he's firing up his little thing to make it kind of blow up in there, but it's all green and bubbly. That's a dope panel. Yeah. Yeah, I like any time, really. And we we got this in Scott Snyder's Black Mirror that we talked about. He had lots of escape artist moments. 
you know, uh, even yeah. even when he was Dick Grayson. I, I think that shit's really cool. Uh, so Bruce escapes, of course, and returns home to the cave to find Alfred is not there. And uh, Gordon has this line that I really love where he says, that's what I hate most about the Joker. Like when they're trying to find his motive, they're trying to find the pattern or whatever. And he says, all you can do is react. You know, he's so outside the box of a normal psychological profile. There's no making sense of it other than to run into his trap every time because you can't, uh-huh. you can't predict. But I like there's a little double meaning there because his next line is like, is like something like, I feel bad for the person who thinks like that. And yeah. Batman's like, oh, well, I know what he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta just, <laughs> you know, it's like where it's like you could take it either way. Like, oh, he's just responding to the first part of that. Like, well, he he's reacting. So he knows the react, the, uh, the reactive action. Or you could take it for the second part. Like, no, I do understand how he thinks. Well, and we've talked or about me. the Hannibal Lecter comparison. <laughs> I just watched Red Dragon again the other day, and that's what Hannibal says to Will, Ed Norton's character. He says, look, you have to admit the reason you were able to find me is because we're more alike than you want to admit. The whole thing of that character is that he had retired from it because he was kind of haunted by it because he had the ability to think like them. And he, yeah, it's probably not a good feeling. Exactly. He could put himself in that headspace and go, okay, well, if I was doing all this heinous shit, why would I do it? What would I do next? You know, and, mm-hmm. and Hannibal kind of uh, got his number with that. You know? No, all he has but, to do is watch the TV show because that's what the TV yeah. show is all about. Doesn't he also like get stabbed by Hannibal and then shoot Hannibal in the beginning? Yes. That's mm-hmm. the beginning of Red Dragon, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, also extra trauma. Not only does he <laughs> think like that, he also had a, a, a bad run with the guy. All right, so Edward Norton is Batman. We've decided. Mm-hmm. Cool. That would have been a good movie 15 years ago. He could play old Batman, I guess. Yeah, it'd still be good now. Yeah, he also has a chin of justice like Ben Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Norton is kind of a smaller man, but maybe... Uh, no, no, he, could do he it. is, uh, but he he's got a some, um, strong face. Get, yeah, get the, like, yeah I guess heart. American History X. Edward Norton. Oh, God. Yeah, just uh, buff him up and get some Herman Monster platform boots on him. <laughs> Let him loose on the city. He'd be in a, a good adult <laughs> Dick Grayson. Yeah. Robin Robinson? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in this scene, Gordon picks up the photo album as they're talking about Joker and trying to think of what the fuck he's going to do. And he pulls out the old photo album from the killing joke and by doing that he gets poisoned himself now when the gang starts getting together dick hears the word about alfred but is sworn to secrecy like you can't tell anybody everyone's going to get clouded with their emotions and like we can't let him pick us apart like he wants to he basically goes full ben affleck here and is just getting in his face or like Frank Miller style, like I will fucking kill like, you. Like do this, or you're fired. You know. This leads us to the reservoir from Joker's first crime, and <laughs> it's so good how Joker's able to take the familiar scenario, and while they can't predict what he's going to do, he can predict what they're going to do. He's blowing everything up, blows the aqueduct where. 
Dick is standing by. He traps Batman and is saying, look, I know who all you motherfuckers are. Like, you know, he's ready to dox the whole crew, basically. There's a panel in that part where it's like spotlighting some hostages that are... It's after he's already dead. They're in the water. Is that what's going on? Like, I couldn't tell for the life of me what's going on here. I'm like, I, I feel like they're in the water. I feel like this is some sort of x-ray circle. Well, there's a uh, panel before that where he, where Joker says, like, and I know you're about to throw a battering at me. And then you get a shot from behind Batman where the battering is illuminated in his hand. Yep. But that's just for us. I don't think that's real. And so it's the same thing. It's like, that's all the people that he already killed just to get it out of the way in the water. And the illumination, I don't think is real. I think that's just us seeing that Batman seeing sees all yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I got the feeling that that's what it was, but the shapes, like, they were a little too formless. Like, it didn't show feet tied to blocks yeah. weighing them down. And I was like, I think I know what's going on, and yet I do not. Not only did they not show Joker's process, I think I'm interpreting this see-through circle correctly, but I do not know, and I also do not know what he's showing me. You're totally right, because I, I read this page and thought that we were going to see more of it as I turned the page. And yep. it doesn't really clearly show what the fuck. He just says, like, see, it's already done. The water is poisoned. The aqueduct is blown. And the people are dead. Now we can talk, right? And, and they, they have this uh, great cat and mouse uh, uh, dialogue here on this bridge, but it doesn't really spell it out very well. There's also a, like, camera backs up. It's a very, um, like, Kubrick, Anderson perpendicular to the bridge that, that they're on shot and it's like when he triggers whatever is in the water like right by them mm-hmm. but it's a very anime shot to me and I can really picture it in motion where they're having this like Naruto and Sasuke yeah exactly somehow yeah yeah, they're 100 yards away from each other they're whispering, whispering but can hear each other still and then an explosion of like an awesome water explosion goes off in the background that's a super cartoon thing I'm telling you you gotta watch Shazam where they parody that it's great <laughs> I'll write that in my notebook. What's Shazam? <laughs> Joker kills all of the mob lieutenants. This is in the the backup issue at the end. Penguin walks in here kind of mortified, like, what the fuck did you just do? We see that Joker is trying to bring in some other heavy hitters into his plan. But if he doesn't go along with it, he's going to pin it on him. Exactly. Yeah. He does so with the umbrella gun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how he has the line about, like, why didn't you ever tell me it was so fun to kill people with an umbrella? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for uh, Ben's commentary here because this is a bit of the uh, Edgelord Joker for sure. I was saving that for my cons or pros. Who knows? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, I've been thinking about it the whole time. I've been showing such restraint. Yeah. He's so proud of me. I am proud you of you. Like you're it's, ready to freak out. it's impressive. You look like I look when I'm listening to you rate any one of these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I give it a half, half a star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 0.5 stars. I wish I could get that time of my life back. Negative stars. Book three has my favorite Joker panel ever. The inner monologue kind of in the left all the way up and down the page. Bruce is saying, you tell yourself he's just a man. He can't know these things. He can't do these things, right? And it's just that dead-eyed, dead-skin face 
in the dark in total black that was the background of my phone for like a year i just it's that's a great page it's one uh, of the best just joker pages of writing with that stark image oh my god and and talks about his his pupils you know Mm -hmm. unresponsive like any human beings would be and always in the hate position yes Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just one of my absolute favorite joker shots ever and if i could have that framed on my wall i would (laughs) tattooed on your chest yeah exactly and you would have to look at it (laughs) if i could just have that tattooed over my face you know it'd be awesome one thing i do like about those different portions too just as you're saying it is like you get the part where the bat fam is talking about could he have made it in the cave the one time and and batman being batman is so adamantly like no impossible but either batman is correct all the time or he just acts that way he's just convinced and he needs to convince other people yeah so even in this part too it's like it's not really implied but while you were talking about it no more that i think about it it's kind of cool sometimes that he almost seems like he isn't even all that sure and he's like convincing himself by repeating these mantras to himself or something he's like it's fine he's totally a man like it's conquerable i can do this thing uh he's not that terrifying like he's psyching himself up does he actually think that joker couldn't have made it in the cave or is part of him like "Mm, if anybody was gonna sneak in my cave on a boat underwater Uh, probably uh, yeah who's the guy who keeps surprising me yeah and i think they dig into that a little more later but at the time it's definitely him saying it's almost like in the court of owls he's like no this shit isn't real you've already been there you've checked this shit out like mm-hmm. don't let your imagination get the best of you here mm-hmm. if he was having two parts of a dialogue with himself but we were only hearing one part you know the part that he hears is like are you sure this dude's kind of freaky and the other part is like no man shut up he's fine we can it's totally- just a guy yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, man. We're only getting half of it, though. I feel like if he was just a slightly different type of crazy, he'd be like Annette Benning in American Beauty when she's like, you will sell this house today, staring in the mirror like, you fucking idiot, you piece of shit. Like, uh-huh. you know, just like... Oh, animated, you mean? Batman is much crazier than Annette Benning in American Beauty, but... Just slightly okay. different type of crazy. He's sure. he's one step away from just uh, yelling at himself in the mirror. It's like a... What's wrong with me? Where is he? Uh, You you made me want to just belt out a where is the trigger, but I'm not going to do it. I don't want to blow my voice. Joker gets Batman tied up and Bullock brings everybody. And Joker seems to know everything about every character, right? So they're like, we haven't been able to find this dude for a year. We don't know where he's been. But on the flip side, he knows where everyone else has been. He talks about waiting under Gordon's bed and knowing all of his hidden cigarette spots, right? And he talks Uh to Bullock in this scene about, why weren't you there when I was killing all of your friends? Oh, could it be that you were around the corner at the speakeasy, like falling off the wagon? And, you know, he just... In the same way he's taunting with knowing their identities, right? In the Bat family, like... He has been away plotting and watching, you know, and 
it doesn't seem like there's any way that this is just empty threats based on what he's telling you. He's telling you enough that even the most unshakable are shaken. That <laughs> makes me think that like Joker's been taking his whole supervillain persona like really seriously and it's a full-time gig i mean it's 60 plus hours a week and he and he needs a vacation but even his vacation is a working vacation so he spends like a year off because he needs to you know gather himself and focus but he also spends that time doing research so he can come back stronger than ever but that's how he unwinds i'm holding up my end of the deal yeah like i'll be taking a nap under your bed. Joker had New Year's resolutions like, this is going to be my year, guys. Like, you know, I'm just going to put in the time and no matter how uncomfortable it is, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, I'm mostly impressed that Gordon didn't notice all the flies in his bedroom. Yeah. I spent all this time making a vision board. Yeah. yeah. Step one, get your face back. <laughs> And go from there. Just check one box at a time. Maybe you got this. So this is some great Scott Snyder shit right here. Joker has the drop on all these cops. He knew where they were going to be. Blows the whole shit up. As it's going down, Batman slips out of his gloves so that he can get untied and is punching the fuck out of Joker and as we saw Snyder do in the uh, Black Mirror, I believe when the Arkham doctor is threatened, they're talking about his wife or something like that, and he punches Joker's face or he grabs him by the throat or something like that, well, his skin intoxicates the doctor. We got the same move right here. You know, he knew that Batman was going to beat the fuck out of him. I don't know that he knew he was going to pull his gloves off, but still, I love how it plays he's, out. He's Joker, so I imagine that in the plan, and I was okay with it because yeah. this is a character just like Batman where you can get away with a little bit of, like, that's too much, but that's... As long as every character isn't always planning Batman's moves beforehand, <laughs> yeah. it's all right. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Bruce awakens in bed, and the Bat family is around him in plain clothes, right? They're saying they caught the Joker... And Alfred walks in, and you see the tuxedo, <laughs> but it's Joker's face, right? And he pulls an axe on him. Batman awakens again for real, and he's in the cave with the Bat family suited up. They inform him, of course, that that is not what happened. The Joker escaped, and they're now discovering this news about Alfred, and they're pissed off at him, understandably so. For withholding. And that's this great scene that Evan was talking about where he is sort of incredulous that Joker could actually know who they are. Like, for example, I found this card back in the day, right? But I'm taking the boat at 60 miles per hour. Like, no one could possibly have done that. Five miles underwater and on water trip. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's, he's explaining... We the, couldn't do that. Yeah, he's like, there's, there's just no way. It's not possible. And this ties into the beginning of the issue. Like, you tell yourself, he's just a human being. Like, none of this shit is possible. Call his bluff. But it's a great point of conflict in the team. I like the page two where he's telling the story. One... 
I love a good Zeppelin battle. That's always good. Um, <laughs> it's like nice neon colors or like 60s yeah, kind yeah, of psychedelic. So, totally. The colors were cool. And I really liked because we're spending this whole book looking at this terrible skinned face version of the Joker. But that's like the one picture in the whole book where you just get a normal face Joker by Capullo, like top left corner, like, Cool. There's his yeah. version of a normal Joker, and back to this gross stuff. And he's still pretty like horrific. Angular. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Super wrinkly. Capullo did a cover for, I think it was Detective One Thousand. Oh no, it was the 80th anniversary of Joker. I have it over there, and it shows him do a classic comic Joker just beautifully. It's cool. really, it's really nice. As much as this one, this nasty one, is my favorite, I like he, the life-size one I've got crawling out of the wall up there and shit. Like I just love this look, but seeing him do the old school is still pretty great. You know, his his style really is kind of made for this character. You know, whether it's the Dark Knight's metal version or this version or the old school, like he's just one of the best at Joker. Yeah. It does suit him really well, too, because you find that some artists can't do certain types of stories and certain types of characters. A person with a really simple cartoony style would have a hard time doing a dark, gritty thing, and vice versa. A person who has like all of these little Capullo-esque lines and blobs and all this squiggly stuff would have a hard time drawing like cutesy animals and stuff. So his style is really made for this kind of story. But it's nice, again, because... Like how I was complimenting him that I like the Batman design is a little refined. Not just the Batman, but the Bruce Wayne. Like his face is a little less like doughy um, Ed McGinnis that I kind of complained about too. Where it's refined like that. And his style to me is a little like bright, simplified, almost kind of anime-y in that stuff. Mm -hmm. But he can go 180 degrees the other direction like with the Joker or with a lot of the Dark Knight's metal stuff where it's just more like extremely complex and jagged and things everywhere and yeah. just, he, he does both really well. Yeah, he can simplify his spaces pretty good, but then he can really go hard on the details. As we're rereading this, it is very clear that this is the guy who would end up doing Last Night on Earth and Dark Knight's Metal and the shit that's really out there and fucking sure. crazy because it's almost like he was having to be somewhat restrained in this world of Gotham, you know, that like, just let me do spawn, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was picturing you doing like customer service work stuff while looking in the eyes of that crazy Joker thing coming <laughs> off of your wall. One of these days. <laughs> Batman what? does some detective work here and he traces the Joker's call to a burner phone uses a traffic cam to locate the shop where it was purchased and the time of the sale and all this. It's not very detective The guy's an Arkham employee and he bursts in on this dude's dinner table with his whole family as if this was year one and he's bur- bursting in on the mob family's dinner. Mm-hmm. This guy's a widower, so that's like him and his four children. Yeah. Yeah, and he's only like a half criminal. Like, why did you even do that? Yeah. He's like, they threatened my kids. He's like, fuck your kids. Yeah. I'm threatening your kids. Yeah. What? 
What is like the Gotham Relief Fund? Like that needs a new wall. Yeah, those kids are gonna need We're some so counseling. Cold, Dad, now that the yeah. is up. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. He's explaining that Joker has threatened all of the guards' families. Right, that he's done the same thing where he knows all this information, and he's using it as leverage to uh, build some kind of castle as they described it in Arkham. They don't know what he's doing, but they've given him free reign. Again, a little bit of a stretch. It's one thing to do that to a couple people, but to do that to, you know, 75 guards or however many people work there, that's a lot. Well, and it's another thing I think we've seen before of like Arkham's taken over from the inside and nobody realized it until it was too late. Yeah. Like that's a that's a beat that's been reused many times. For sure doesn't really bother me. Uh, we go in and see these guys carrying a horse by hand for some reason. <laughs> and Riddler is watching this shit like, what the fuck are you doing? And the guys drop the horse. Joker shoots the guy and the horse. And, the horse and the guy. Get the order right. Yeah. And, the horse uh, is useless. And then the next panel is shooting the guy. They're like, what about the guy who's trapped underneath him? Like, oh, yeah, fuck him too. <laughs> But, but Riddler doesn't want in on this. And Joker's trying to, like, like he did with Penguin. Yeah, come on, I think, uh, you know, you could be pretty interested in what happens here. And Riddler won't leave his cell. So Joker throws in a little gas bomb, a little grenade through the air hole. So Riddler essentially has to escape. He's like, I know you know how to escape. I know you have a plan. He's like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Leave me alone. I like that move, though. Uh-huh. That sort of reminds me of having just finished watching Gotham again. Penguin and Riddler have this sort of uh, love-hate thing. And there are times where they get trapped in the same prison or whatever together. And they kind of have to team up when they hate each other to get out. And uh, it kind of reminded me of that. I like that stuff. This was the backup issue that made me realize these were backup issues. Mm. I don't know if it's just because the story was a little different. But this Riddler is like more of an old school looking Riddler as far as the design goes. And then when he shows up later in the story, he's like the zero year Riddler with the big sideburns and the, they're, they visually are two very different Riddlers, even though it's the same character in the same time period. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in the jock version in this gas scene, he does look more normal. I didn't think about that. It's yes. It's the more traditional Riddler design. Yeah. Good catch. Cause honestly, I don't love the uh, Ginger Sideburns version. I think it's a little odd. Me neither. I don't like Earth One. I don't really like that Riddler either. I don't often like the way the Riddler is portrayed, frankly. I think that, like, apart from visually? Yeah, I think apart from the animated series original. And Jim Carrey. (laughs) Yeah, already. I just, like, (laughs) he's had so many weird looks. You know, like, he's bald in some of them, and he's just, like... It's just weird. So aside from like the first appearances on, on animated series and actually Gotham, he's one of the better parts of that show sometimes. Yeah, he's just not one of my favorites. Actually, the 60s Riddler's look is a good look. I mean, yeah. dial it back a little bit, but that's a pretty good look for that character. That was going to be my uh, like two faves are the animated series with the... Most, it's like mostly about his face because he has some of the same elements that you see in other places where he has the jacket and where he has the little bowler hat 
but something about his little round nose and the shape of his chin in the yeah. animated series. But then also along the same lines, the guy in the original television series has a similar look, but instead he's wearing like the all tights version. Yeah. But he's got like the slick hair and the mask, and I actually think that he looks really cool too. Yeah. Since I brought up Gotham, the way that his character is designed is one of my favorites because once they really develop him into Riddler, he's like green jacket and pants, green hat, black and white, you know, suit and tie underneath. And I, I think that that's a really good look. That's not like too over the top. He is good. I didn't, I didn't get far enough into the series where he actually becomes a Riddler, but yeah, I don't know if I said it on recording, but I don't really like that show but he is an element of the show that I do like. There's plenty about that show to dislike. Even the characters that you love on the show are still done wrong a percentage of the time. Yeah. It's just the nature of a uh, primetime series where they need to crank out a fuckload of episodes. Stop defending them. That's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, No. We're going to go into that show. I've picked out some, some good episodes so we don't have to Suffer. <laughs> all, all Fish Mooney episodes. No. I'm casting a pretty wide net this season. I'm trying to shake it up a little bit, so we'll see. Get that CW um, crowd listening. Get the um, older audience listening. I think we are the older audience now. <laughs> no, I mean, I want the people who watch like the Batman serial in the 30s. Get some of those seniors in here. Yeah, yeah. In the nursing homes listening to Tuning into the podcast. What's a podcast? I'm not sure if you know this now, but it is the 20s. And those people are dead. A few of them are alive. <laughs> Whoa, but some people are still too. Lady, to... yeah, lady in Japan is 116. She listens. Yeah, what a, what a, yeah like putting in podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's my all right, so Batman enters Arkham, and all the guards are dressed like him and Joker. Not to upset Ben, but sort of like the end of Batman 89, the dancing in the background. <laughs> And yes, you're trying to see. Everything's about that with you. you I love past your own the cover. <laughs> I love the cover. I bought this issue so I could get it signed before the convention got canceled last year. But the I love is Joker holding the bloody cow and dancing with it. Yeah, it? yeah. I like that a lot because that to me reminds me less of that fucking stupid movie you keep bringing up constantly and more of. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> No, it's on you guys. He's in his own garage. <laughs> you have to go out in the world for that. Are you? Um, it reminds me of the Alex Ross, all the Alex Ross stuff with Joker wow. and Harley Quinn, and some of the Batman like versions of that that come later with the three of them. Mm. He's wearing the like the tux and the spotlight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Nothing I like else. That. This is another little visual thing that I didn't quite understand until they got a couple panels into it. You got your segue with the panels and the dancing and the moves and stuff. And then the over the top that shows the cells and the people in the cells. But it wasn't until they got a little further and it was like, oh, there's water on the ground and I'm going to shock them. I didn't really understand it at first. There's kind of a lot of story, I feel like. And there's times where they didn't spend enough time to visualize it properly. Yeah. I mean, eventually you have to make some like page and some panel decisions yeah. like these would be good scenarios for like the Sean Murphy mini panels or yeah. something to have a mini panel of the feet in the water in the same yeah, yeah. shot as the overhead so you get that 
both pieces of info at the same time. Yeah, like a drip or so. I mean, eventually they did have like a panel breaker or something, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, ha, ha. yes, electricity. <laughs> I Got get it. it. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The standing in some wawa is going to suck up. Got it. I like that Batman kills the power here with the little EMP thinking like, okay, I got the upper hand, but it's, it's a little bit like Die Hard where they know the playbook is that FBI is here. They're going to cut the power. That's going to let us in past the security. Cool, you know? And so Batman's sneaking around. <laughs> He's startled by a flaming horse. But in that same moment, he cuts the power. Joker turns it back on. But in that moment, he's thrown like little balls that suck up all the water so they don't get electrocuted. Oh, yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty dope. And that's mm-hmm. where Joker's like, oh, nice. You're a little, you're closer <laughs> to form now. You're getting your speed back. Well, there's also the element that he's beat Joker to the punch a little bit. He's sooner than expected. Mm. But still, uh, a lot of this is very well planned out because the moment he is in the dark and starts moving around, thinking like, okay, I'm going to find where he's based in this place. Then he's surrounded by all the inmates in riot gear ready to throw down. Yeah, I love that whole scene because it's it's just a great Batman fighting a bunch of people scene yeah. where like he kind of loses the upper hand a little bit, but then he, he grapples up to the ceiling. And I love that moment because yep. he grapples away to just dive right back in and like, double-handed lariat four guys at the same time and uh-huh. like you're a crazy guy you're that's crazy a, a nice little batman begins moment i love whenever he's getting mobbed and he shoots the grappling hook and pulls some of them up in the air and they fall off as he's rising out of it you know that's like <laughs> the debris falls up yeah that's always a great look now we're getting into more of the real horror version of joker he catches up to him and there is this disgusting human centipede tapestry of sewn together bodies. And he's, I don't know if it's tattoos or what, but he's, he's created this art retelling no. of all of their past encounters, right? And then that you. Classic one where the guy had a bucket of fish. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the laughing fish. Yeah, it just looked like regular fish. But then... Mean regular fish. If you spent all that time and crafted this, I mean, that's like a quilt to the nth degree, and then Batman just doesn't appreciate it at all. That would Does hurt. Even comment on it? Yeah, that would hurt me. That's how it feels when every time I put out a new album. Yeah. Man, I mean, there, he talks about how much, you know, they love each other and these things that he... You know, I mean, Joker has a weird version of wanting the best for Batman. He just happens to want like the really bad side of Batman, <laughs> but it's just lost. You know, so that sucks. Though Ben mentioned Hannibal earlier, and there's Amber had watched it a little while ago, and I caught some episodes. But there's this one where this character is like taking bodies and he's like sewing them together in this silo, and that's what that made me think of was just this mishmash of like human bodies all yeah uh, all knit together and what's interesting here is you kind of at least i did assume that they're dead until you realize that they aren't and it's like a god i keep i'm like a family guy episode today i'm just giving movie cutaways after movie cutaways but it's kind of like seven when they find the the body under the sheet or whatever 
and it's like the most disgusting, emaciated, zombie-looking person, oh, yeah. and then it's alive. Uh-huh. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the suffering. There's some mention of Dollmaker helping create that. You get it, Sam. You watch movies. Ugh. Who? That's just... All I know is movie reference as it's oh, how, you play some video games. how I think. But it's cool here that he kind of mentions Dollmaker in terms of he helped me make this thing, and that ties into the whole face removal. But again, unless you've read those other things that are not part of this Batman series, you don't know who the fuck that is. It's that Japanese kid. Oh, yeah. From <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dollmaker, Toy Man. Who likes Power Girls Rack. Yeah. Yeah. He loves boobies and body blankets. <laughs> so I am to derive from that that him and Toymaker are friends and they're on good Dollmaker. What? Toy Man, Dollmaker. <laughs> Dollmaker. There you go. Uh, you know, the classic. Very, the most important guy in the rogues gallery. Who I've, <laughs> yeah, who I've never heard of before. Can you imagine what seen. he looks like? No. <laughs> so they're friends, and he took Joker's face because Joker wanted him to, not because he cut Joker's face off of him because he's a face-cutting bad guy. Yeah. Okay. It's weird, and they don't explain it, but I, I'm always a big proponent of a thing should be able to stand on its own, whether it refers to other things. And I never, never in this was I like, I want to go back and read that. Like, I don't care. It's fine. I get his face is cut off and now he put it back on. That's enough for me. It's like they had the payoff idea and they didn't know how to set it up. And they're like, yeah, just do it. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. I was just under the impression that that was like a squabble between them. Like he lost his face in some sort of, uh, interaction but it wasn't because he wanted it to so there he is reclaiming it again like i gotta get my freaking face back because that uh-huh. dude cut it off me not because joker is mental and wanted his face off i actually thought that they did that better in gotham like he's dead but he had had this whole manifesto and there's all these he has all these followers right and so it was like they thought he was going to be reborn you know, it's like some QAnon shit where they're waiting for... Well, the day the day has come, right? I mean, or it's April happening. Or whatever. And it wasn't happening, right? And so one of the followers cuts the face off the body and puts it on himself. And is like, I am Jerome. We are Jerome. You know, whatever. And they're all just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, right? So then when Joker does come back to life, he just kills that guy and takes his face back. So I, I actually <laughs> liked that better. That's neat. Yeah. It seems like just kind of a, we're going to redo the Joker. So yeah. we're going to take him apart, and now we're going to put him back together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman disarms Mr. Freeze, Clayface, and Scarecrow, who are all kind of waiting in the wings to stop him. And I actually think that this is cooler than a lot of, you know, we shit on little villain cameos that should be their own issues and this little scene played out pretty cool. It's both. It's bad because you have three people who would normally be like the final villain of their own stories. Yeah. Getting taken out in two pages, but it's also good because it shows how determined and focused Batman is. That he's not wasting any time. Yeah. And Joker comments on that. Undermining them. You know, Joker's got a little bit of like, Ooh, look at you go. You know, 
he does like a straight hand strike into Scarecrow's face. Yeah. <laughs> he puts his, his fingers in, in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skinky. <laughs> Joker has these court staged with Penguin, Riddler, Two-Face, and across the other side, all of these imprisoned guards dressed as the Justice League. This page kind of bothered me. Yeah? Yeah, because I didn't really like how the Riddler looked, and I didn't really like yeah. how Two-Face looked. Mm. And I know that it's a uh, walk-in-the-door, ta-da, reveal but it's so brightly lit by contrast to all this other stuff. Mm. And between the seeing everything element and then just the way that some of it looks, I was like, this seems like less of a reveal. It looks a little dopey to me. It's very flat too. If it was like a lower angle with more, uh, more dramatic, but it's just like yeah. dead on. I found that my eyes were picking it apart in ways that I wish that they wouldn't. Like if it was me, I know that you lose stuff in it. Is it a two page spread? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, if it was me, though you lose something in a two-page spread, I would probably plop the throne right in the center, but instead it's like off-center to the left. Additionally, its perspective looks a little weird. Yeah. And it was just like, ah, I don't want to be, like, I'm not a professional artist and I don't want to be seeing all these things, but I'm seeing them and they're sticking out a little too much. It's sort of like what we talked about with the CGI, though. Like, I just listened to our... Oh, segue to next episode. No, I just listened to our Justice League Joss Whedon review and, you know, we were talking about, like, you're taking CG and, like, lighting it up too much and that's when it looks wrong. And so we take this really dark, cavernous scene in a dark, cavernous story and we give it this other treatment and it does stand out on its own. Uh And those fucking stupid sideburns. (laughs) Yeah, sideburns. Yeah, and then, like, the hostages look... They're meant to look kind of dopey, but they just look dexterous. (laughs) So Batman comes in the room, forces his way through that door, and we see a couple of the guards getting killed as they they have the Excalibur gag um, that that shocks them. A cage comes down instantly, and it's like, up, can't touch us now, right? We're safe. And then a screen turns on, and he's watching all of the Bat family get tortured or or essentially killed, it looks like. Here's where we're kind of seeing how sadistic this is getting. Mm -hmm. Joker says that he will never know what happened to them. If if he goes after him, yeah. Unless he gets on his throne, which is an electric chair. The only thing I don't like here is that there's no deliberation, there's no trying to outsmart him. He just does it. And it kind of proves Joker right in that, well, this really is your Achilles heel, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm okay with that because it's true. I was thinking about that because when we finally catch up to them and they're all together, that's all set in motion by the Joker. Yeah. So if Joker wanted, he could have, apparently he captured all of them. He could have just tortured and killed all of them. Yeah. If Batman, that's, you're right. He did win in that moment. Yeah. I mean, we all know this to be the character, but Joker's really banking on, like, the opposite of a negotiates with terrorists scenario. Like, if it was somebody else, he'd be like, well, it's like you, you're my focus, you know, and so he can always bank on Batman's, um, that's not what he wants, but that this will be his soft spot. 
He's always yeah. going to save lives over getting the bad guy. Yeah, he's that type of superhero, despite all of this other aggro, physical, ass-kicking stuff that he does. He, you know, he still negotiates with terrorists. A cool thing here is that, remember, most of these villains have been coerced into going along with this. And you kind of have, you know, like Penguin and all these dudes relegated to saying like, yeah, hail, you know, it just, it seems (laughs) so weird, (laughs) but two face has had enough of this shit. And as Joker's trying to drag away this electric chair, Dent's like, yo, fuck you. I got a gun. Let's shoot him in the face. He's like Scott evil from Austin Powers. Like I got a gun. I'll just shoot him in the head right now. Let's do it. Joker puts the cage down on them, and no, you're not included. This is just for me. But also, I've outsmarted you. Hey, Harv, who gave you that gun? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was me. How do you know that that gun works? How do you know that that gun isn't going to backfire on you? You know, shoot you in the face. And so, or electrocute you. Or- yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with that. I, I like how that played out. So was Harvey really there just to put a wig on? Yes. Okay, got it. Cool. I don't think that that's how a gun works. Like your gun might break, but your bullet won't shoot backwards. That no, it's a special it. Joker gun that does. Okay, totally got it. All right. Just easily dismiss this one. I like that we don't generally know that the answer, but so often in some of these things that we read, all Joker really does is sow these seeds of doubt in people yeah. because the gun totally might work, but <laughs> he just puts things into question that make people be like, Oh shit. I don't know. This guy's like, he's so crazy. I have no idea. Like yeah. he could be, um, this is Russian roulette and he would rather make a game out of it in which he could be shot. Uh, he's leaving it up to you, but also let me paint this picture that would uh, make you kind of doubt what you're going to do. It's great well, because really like- he has the track record of doing all this shit and outsmarting everyone and plotting <laughs> yeah. in all this detail and being sadistic enough that all he has to do is throw out the question like, well, well it is me. Mm. What do you expect? Mm. Yeah. Well, do what you want. What were you going to say, Ben? Well, I, I just really like the dressing down he gives Harvey because he really like he really makes that character seem stupid. <laughs> he's like, well, all it took was like getting splashed in the face with acid. And then you just like became a fucking asshole. Oh yeah. Like it, with all your rules and your laws and all being a good guy. Like that's all it took. And you just yeah. gave up. Which, he did kind of remember that part, which is funny. Cause it's his one bad day philosophy, but it's also him going, you know, this is what you wanted all along. You were ready to come unglued. Yeah. Yeah. You need um, an excuse. You're a loser, and, Harvey. You're not a cool villain like me. Yeah. Sweet wig, dork. After I made you wear it. <laughs> I can't believe you wore it. You idiot. Actually, uh, that is a... There's an animated series episode called Trial where... Yeah, we talked about it because they do it in uh, Long Halloween, too. Yeah, but I think Joker wears the powdered wig in that one. Yeah, I think it is Joker. Yeah, I like it in that better because it's like more clearly defined paper towel rolls and I like yeah. that um, adds to the list of things that I don't like about this part is Joker's stupid huge jester hat I do not like that <laughs> okay enough of this <laughs> All right, guys, scene enough. <laughs> moving on <laughs> yes moving on 
Batman wakes up seated at the head of a dinner table with all the Bat family bound and gagged. And, and more specifically, their faces bandaged kind of like hush, right? Just like bloody. Yeah, Blood seeping stains. through. His electric chair, we're told, is rigged in a way that has flints. And so if he were to stand up, it would spark and uh, it would ignite the gas that's kind of soaking on the floor here. A jokerized Alfred appears. We finally see what happened to him. And he pulls up the lids on these serving platters, revealing each character's face on the plate in front of them. Cut off. More Hannibal stuff. Yeah. Wow. I remember reading this for the first time, like, holy shit, I'm on the edge of my seat, you know. Same here. I, when I when I read that the first time, I was like, "Where do you go from this?" Like, I believed it. I was like, "How do you go? Yeah, yeah. Where do you go from him slicing up all these characters' faces? Like, what?" Well, I mean, it's called the death of the family, and so I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, they're really doing it!" You know, I have my Dark Knight Rises moment. They're like, oh, "They're really doing this? Holy <laughs> shit!" And Joker says that Batman's no killing excuse either that because Joker would win, or because it's the whole slippery slope argument is bullshit and saying that he doesn't kill joker because batman loves the chase he loves their cat and mouse game of course batman does stand up and start the fire but counting on his gotham expertise he realizes the cave they're in the tunnel they're in whatever and blows the roof uh letting all this water come through and extinguish the fire the only thing I had an afterthought about that is that the room doesn't flood. It's just enough. <laughs> he knew that's where his little uh, like pool was. Just yeah. Like, yeah, that's the kiddie pool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're not under the river. It's a pond. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he did say nobody knows these caves like him, so he would know <laughs> if it was a lake or yeah. just a little pool. There you and, go. Yeah. <laughs> Always yeah. thinking. Uh, right around... I think it's around the time that he shows up to Arkham, but the colorist starts changing the way that the Joker's face is colored, mm-hmm. and it goes from being like white skin to now it's... I, I don't think it's really drawn any different, but, but now the nasty. colorist is like giving it a green hue, and it's, like, it's extra gross. It's drying it's out. More, more flies as time goes on, too. Yeah, yeah. there's hella flies in this book. Yeah, it's like drying out as more time passes, which is... Uh-huh great because it makes sense and it's also just adds to how nasty and uneasy that this feels well especially in these later scenes in that scene in particular i think there's a close-up where you really see it reminded me of like attack on titan where you're seeing all the the muscle fibers in his skull and like the i don't understand anatomy but the white divisions between like the right and left side of his face underneath that just very like Mm -hmm. It just keeps saying grotesque. Just the way that like his face moves around when Batman punches him because it's just kind of strapped on, yeah. you know, like yeah. oh, oh my god, that's so good. I wonder whose idea that was. If that was like in there from the jump, and somebody, uh, you know, Capullo or anybody else is like halfway through the book, let's change the color on his face, or if it was proposed by the colorist, because I think that would be a little extra cool if he's like, hey, how about this contribution since yeah. I'm in control of this what if he gets a little extra nasty by the end of the book yeah like hey what do you think of this panel I did I'm like oh yeah fuck yeah <laughs> do that 
Yeah, what do you think about this stinky morsel? <laughs> I was having dreams lately about rotting flesh, and I thought, yeah. how can we work that into the story? Big ideas, great ideas here. There's one other thing I wanted to just point out here that I really like. After Batman busts the ceiling and the water comes down, there's just a nice moment of him. You haven't said it yet, but when they reveal, oh, yeah. when they pull Damien. the bandages off. Yeah, where he's holding Damien and just kind of like, that's a nice, because they're, they're so, both of them, such cold people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to have a little moment that like shows something more than that is nice. Yeah, there was actually like a scared son moment where he takes off the bandages of his kid and he looks back at him like, how bad is it? Oh my God, like my face I, is I numb. Can't I can't feel, yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. how, how bad is it? And, and he's like, you're fine. They're both like, wait, what the mm-hmm. fuck? And this is when you get the sort of comic booky. I know we killed that guy, but now he's back. Sort of like you can't have this shit stick because it's in continuity. Yeah, but that was a great way around it. I mean, that's so much better than like actually I landed on a pile of potatoes and that broke the fall. <laughs> and, like it just, it just it works. I it is okay unique. It. Yeah. And it fits the character, too, because he's more, especially with Batman, his main goal is just fucking with him. It's not Uh just, it's not always killing Jason Todd. Sometimes it's just mentally torturing him. Yeah, that part, you know, had it played out differently is pretty wild, because if Batman had done what Joker was proposing, then their faces weren't even removed, and Batman would have just burned them alive for no reason, like otherwise they they're seemingly uninjured and he would have just killed them himself pretty much. Like they hadn't even endured any. Also, who's making these fake face skins for Joker? Toy maker in between building the mecha robots. He's also making really (laughs) realistic fake faces. Toy man, doll maker. Yeah. I thought that part was a little extra sadistic because Joker's doing those things to mess with people all the time. So he puts them in this pickle, he presents them with this stuff, makes them think that their faces have all been removed, and really that's not even the case, and he could have just like burned them for no reason. Yeah, and they don't really give you any sort of flashback as to how it actually played out and how it was different than whatever video we saw a few uh-huh. minutes earlier. You know? I felt like the videos were just, he was seeing them being captured. Okay. Like beaten and defeated, not gotcha. like being tortured. So Batman pursues Joker... And we go into this sort of Dark Knight Returns tunnel style finale while the family in the other room is getting Joker gassed. They poor little double headed tiger puppy. Your kitty, yeah, yeah, explodes. That shit made me sad. Yeah, that was too bad. Joker is using this against him, like, oh, well, aren't you going to go save the innocents? Aren't you going to go save them? And he's like, those motherfuckers can take care of themselves. I'm going to kick your fucking face in, you know? says that he has faith in his team and taunts the Joker, reversing the role, saying, I know who you really are. This is about the point in the caves where you let go, isn't it? Because you don't want to know the truth, even though you claim to have all the answers here. Like you, You're the one who loves the game. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. <laughs> He's giving him a taste of his own medicine, and I, I really That's like that. Movie, right? And Joker is so like triggered by this that he slips out of his grip and goes down the waterfall and his game is over he he lost knowing that this sort of goes into three jokers was weird i thought of that just too like, just this last week i figured out this last year you were gone that's when i figured out who you are and what 
where you're from and all that. And then in Three Jokers, it's like, no, I knew the week after I met him. What, what oh, like, well, yeah, but again, that is not continuity. This okay. is. I wish that this wasn't so they could just do like a, you, okay, you want to do a horror movie version? Yeah, kill all the Bat family. See what that does to Batman. Then does he kill the Joker? That's what I want to know. Alfred awakens in his bed, recovering from the toxin, and Bruce hands him a little bell to ring uh, to be waited on. I, I love this part. And that He's is a about it. great exchange. We've had a very dark and depressing story, and that is a nice bit of levity there as he's like, I will beat you with my IV, you know, stand <laughs> like, here. <laughs> He tells Alfred that he had gone to Arkham as Bruce Wayne. He brought the Joker card that he found in the cave and returned it to Joker. And he was so disinterested in seeing his true identity that he just kind of turned back around in his cell. And I thought, why the fuck would you give that away? You know, like, Fucking Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne says the mask is to protect the people around you. I kind of thought it was like, especially because that's early on in his career. That's like after they first meet her. Yeah. That that was him doing the thing that's talked about, like in The Killing Joke and all those other things. Where like, he has a bad feeling about this guy and he sees it's going to go bad places. So he's kind of trying to do anything he can to to solve this problem beforehand. Yeah. So that's like, I found your card. Like, let's deal with this now rather than play this dumb game where I dress up like a bat and fight you and you kill people because of it. Yeah, I guess, but that's sort of conceding. Does he just have Robin at that point, or does he have nobody? Because that's early in his career. Probably nobody, but I I would assume that, I mean, Alfred was taken in this, so, I mean, that's something. Again, Michael Caine says that. Actually, sir, I was thinking of myself. You know, um, it doesn't quite add up like wouldn't he have come as batman and say i saw what you left on my boat right i know you didn't fucking come here you really want to know or maybe that was the play the play was showing up as bruce wayne with the card and just seeing what comes of it but that seems like a huge gamble of like well i'm just going to show this guy who i am and uh we'll see if that ever comes back to bite me in the ass he wasn't great at being batman at that point he was still new to the game clearly not yeah well Yes, you could always just have Batman bust into anything, but maybe just being Bruce was his means of getting access to Arkham anyways because he was there under the guise of something else. So yeah. maybe that was just how he got in rather than being Batman busting in on stuff. But it does seem like a scenario where I I could see the pros of appearing there as Batman and I could not really see the pros of appearing there as Bruce. Sure. Agreed. At the end, I really like how it wraps up. All the Bat fam is sort of like, seems traumatized and a little distrusting of Bruce after he didn't let them in, and they all kind of go their separate ways. He comes back to the cave to finish analyzing the toxin. He had said, yeah, there's some like radioactive science talk, whatever, something else in this Joker toxin. It's different. He comes back, and the analysis is complete, and it is... Dubnium or Hanium with elemental name H A. And there's close ups on the screen. Ha, 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 and a fly. Wow. Good ending. 
just a good little fade out. It did strike me as sort of funny that like we know that Joker is so smart, but thinking that he's so smart just to include these little tiny things for no reasons, just to get at Batman in the Batcave and just uh, stare at this well, it's, screen. It's like when I rap, I'll put in references that I like that I know are obscure. And uh. even if they don't get it, I know it's in there. But if they get it, it's so much cooler. Only people who've watched season two, episode four of The Golden Girls will understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. What do we got for Easter eggs? Anything? My notes are actually only Easter eggs. You guys may not know this one. But oh, what the fuck? Wait, I'm not. No, I'm just. If you did. I would be surprised. That's all because... Oh, it's worse! You stupid idiots! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would just be surprised if you dumbasses know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Thank you. Just Um, put it in honest terms. Yeah. So it it, it also may tie into maybe it's some like medieval thing and it's something that they would do to like intimidate enemies or something in the past. But when the horse runs down the hallway on fire, I thought of a comic book. It's manga and it's called Barefoot Gen, and it is written and illustrated by a person who survived the bombing in Hiroshima. Wow. And it tells the story of, like, book one starts with the bombing, and then there's subsequent books that talk about the experience after the fact. But one of the things that really sticks out, I mean, which is insane, and it's crazy to be reading this book that looks pretty early on comic booky, and to be painting these like horrific pictures with these cartoon characters. That's true. One of the things that he sees is a horse on fire running through the city. It's very striking in this and it's very striking in that. And I don't know that it's a reference, but that's what it made me think of. I like how, when we mentioned the little baby tiger blowing up, nobody liked that. And yet no one mentioned how horrific it was to see the horse running on fire. I just didn't mention it because I was going to mention it here. So Okay. Well, but it's also because the horse, the only other time we saw a horse was the comedic scene of four guys carrying it sideways through a hallway. But that little tiger cub like... But he also shoots the horse in that scene. So, I mean, well, that's... But, but nobody, there was no scenes like with the tiger cub of... And it's not a baby. That's part of it, too. But where they're holding the lion cub and, like, he's petting him. He's a, he's a pet up until that moment of... Oh, there's there's a bomb in his head, and we're gonna blow him up. Like, it's just different. Ben Polanski is not a vegan. Everyone, just <laughs> <laughs> he's drawing the lines. Showing your true colors uh, here. Hey, he wasn't a pet. Fuck him. Uh, but that's guys, our uh, our audience reaction is based on how we've been presented him. That doesn't focus that closely. Yeah, it's cool. I'll send it to you guys. It's just I found the panel from that comic. If there was a scene of them going like like brushing the horse's hair being like oh trigger you're such a good guy like, oh, uh, yeah. and then they did that maybe I that's a character i really feel for <laughs> i only didn't mention it because i was going to mention it now that's why i glanced past it before uh, jock section with two-face there's a part where joker like pulls the gun to his forehead that reminded me of like ledger in the hospital the agent yep. of chaos speech yeah totally in the uh, scene where you've got the Bat Fam all tied up together, and Joker's got little panels, they're like, "I'm gonna get at you and you and you," and then he gets to Jason Todd, and it's like, "And you, you again. again, 
<laughs> in parentheses. <laughs> not really an Easter egg, but they all get gassed and they're all jokerized in the end. But then they're like roughhousing kids who who run out of steam and they all start yeah. to like they all get tuckered out and they start cuddling instead. And the last one, the last panel looks like a really creepy family photo to me. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like settled down and zombie. We talked about how like Artists love to do these little vignettes where they get to show all the characters that aren't in this story, right? Yeah. But how fun must have that have been to do a Jokerized version of the whole Bat family? Yeah. Yeah. I'm only going to have to draw this for a couple pages. going to love it. Yeah. Also getting to draw and fighting each other. That's a yeah. neat thing that doesn't happen very often. Totally. In that scene that we liked where Bruce is talking to Alfred in the end, Alfred says... What in heaven's name is that fiery ball in the sky? And I thought of you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's like when uh, we were uh, on tour when that big eclipse was happening a couple years ago. And uh, I woke up and the sun was blaring through the window at like 10 in the morning. I closed my eyes and was going back to sleep. And a few seconds later, I noticed the room was dark. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I sat up and like Kellen and his aunt who we were staying with were out in the yard looking at the eclipse in the sky. I walked out Shut there. I, I don't want to. Well, I, I walked out there with them and I said, hey, uh, if this is happening right now, we should uh, go hit the road and beat the traffic. <laughs> and they were like in awe and I kind of interrupted their moment. I didn't realize until I was walking away, and I, I thought it was like when Beavis and Butthead go to the, the Hoover Dam, and they're just like, is this a goddamn, you know, they just like <laughs> fucking... Cool. It's wasted cool. on a small mind, such as yours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glorious celestial, once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-20-year event. I, solar, I, solar spectacle I, tossed right in the trash. Well, I just had this thought that it's like, this pandemic has been so bad for sam that he hasn't seen the sun in like 10 years i don't think your math quite lines up but <laughs> that's what i mean that's really, this pandemic is bad i don't think i can go outside i don't think i've been able to go outside for a decade or two. Oh yeah 10 years from now sure yeah then we'll say that i'm going backwards okay gotcha my very last easter egg when Bruce or when Batman gets the tape after Alfred has been taken and he finds a little cassette tape in the, in the mansion, I think. Yeah. And he analyzes the tape and there's just a single panel where to me, and maybe this is me making faces out of everything like houses and you make them into faces, but the tape deck looks like a Joker face to me. It's got like green stuff for the eyeballs and then it's got a little red lip line, like a mouth. I'll I'm not seeing those I'll send, colors. I'm going to this to you, the listeners, <laughs> so you can see yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it's not on the first shot of the tape deck, but it is sort of in the other ones once he turns it on. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it says, ha, 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 and it's got... Yeah, um, it's the... It's got, oh, it's got green bars for the hair. Yeah, the, the meters. circle eyeballs and a mouth. Yeah, the meters on the top are the green hair, and then it's yeah. got red around the, uh, the, the tape input there. Yeah, good call. Yes. <laughs> Approval. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. I got a couple here. Joker mentions knocking on your door in a Hawaiian shirt. 
or a oh, bat yes. flying into yeah. the room like year one. And dead as a baby bird smashed with a crowbar. Uh-huh. And then later, when Batman's beating the shit out of the Joker, he actually hits him with a crowbar at one point. So just a couple little things. Ben, did you have any? Uh, no, I knew you guys would do it, so I didn't really pay attention yeah. to that. There's one nobody mentioned that his uh, the workman uniform that he's wearing the whole story, the name is Joe. Mm-hmm. And it's like Joe Chill. Or- Joe Kerr. Oh wow! <laughs> Pros. This Joker rides the line of what in the old days we might call an edge lord Joker, <laughs> where he's pretty fucking hardcore man, and he's doing some crazy, extreme, violent, gory stuff. Yeah. But because the whole book is a horror story. Yeah. And because his dialogue is still kind of silly and goofy, and it just write that line and it lands on the side of I'm okay with it and it's not it's not Frank Miller boy with the dragon tattoo joker it's yeah. just <laughs> it works and I like it and then overall just the, the consistency of the story because thinking like I like Court of Owls but it's it's a little all over the place with like the best chunk is him losing his mind in the maze and then everything with his secret brother after that and even the stuff before that it's a lot of different feelings in different modes where like this, the entire time is one escalating frightening story. And it, it balances that really well. I think that's interesting because you've commented on how you're not a Joker guy and I am, but I actually far prefer the court of owls. I've already said, this is like some of my favorite Joker visually. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there's a better story in the court. I think part of it is that I'm just more on board for Joker being Joker than I am for Secret Society was under your nose the whole time and you didn't see it kind of story. That's right. I, I forgot you had I that issue. I think it's likely just a preferential thing towards like a detective story versus whatever this is or... Yeah, that's yeah, it. You know, that's it. Yeah, I mean, especially where we're looking at stuff drawn by the same artist, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're like taking that off the table. I think it has more to do with Sam would rather read a detective story set in a little more close to home and a little more mystery. Yeah, it like yeah. The, it unravels because of this hidden history, and it's a little more intrigue that this is just uh, it unravels, but it's just like a bunch of crazy crap in your face. And this is sort of a story that's. Joker taking familiar beats and putting a twist on them until we get to this really kind of like we said before, grotesque or sadistic climax, which is very much its own thing. But a lot of it is familiar Joker stuff, too. One other pro that I wanted to say, because you didn't quite mention it, it's basically the second half of the first panel where he's talking about eyes and eye dilation, what that reveals. And then when he's walking up to confront him in Arkham, he has the thing where he talks about it's a continuation of the whole, he's just a man, he's just a guy, flesh yeah. and bone. But I think what bothers us is that I could just stare him down and he'll flinch. But the one time as Batman that I stared him down and he flinched, what his flinch was was his pupils dilating because he loves me. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. and that, that whole Joker loves Batman is the story, the point of the story. But that, yeah. I like that line and that piece. That he gets off on it. Yeah. yeah, that's a good little uh, sprinkling of science in there, too, because 
it's just them telling us all this stuff and all these examples of like, there's a bunch of really weird examples of a really weird type of love that they're trying to sell us on. Yeah. Know, like really odd relationship and how I guess that is in like love spectrum. Indeed, a codependency. Yeah. But then toss in that little tidbit and it's like, no, this is the physical reaction. Yes. This is like an actual embodiment yeah. of that. Yeah. And I think um, when we talk about the whole love thing, that can be a little bit whack sometimes, but if you look at it in a scene like this, it's great because he is reveling in this moment knowing I got to him. I got under his skin like, oh, yes, it's working, you know, and the kind of thrill that he's accusing Bruce of having as well in their whole back and forth. Um, yes, you know, not I, just love, it's happiness and affection. And Again, I wouldn't call it those things, but I... It's like being pumped, being real psyched to go, man. It's like... Mm. Ah, ah. I'm, I'm picturing Batman like face to face with Joker blowing in his eyeballs <laughs> just like anything come on uh, in regards to Ed's lordiness I would rather like see a character uh, what? character <laughs> I think I said both a few times I'd rather see somebody be about it than talk about it. Yeah. And that's what bothers me sometimes with Edge Lordy stuff is, and I'm not saying I want to see all this crazy crap, but I don't like reading about it forever. I don't want to read blurbs on blurbs about like how hardcore and how insane you are. Like either just like this shut is, up. We have to kill prostitutes. This is how you do it. I'm the uh, fucking joker, man. I'll yeah. kill you. Like, either do it or shut up. And this Joker is just the visual representation of that. So I don't mind it on top of it being like gross and original. He is all those things and he doesn't have to talk about that crap. He looks like he is that dude. He's living that life and sold like, shut up. I know that you are the thing. Move on. I will segue into my cons with that. If you're cool. Yes. Okay. Snyder can be verbose. I really like the story. I think he gets the characters very well. You know, and it, it's an honest characterization. There's real stakes, but the dialogue does kind of get rambly at times, and that's just sort of a staple of his style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think maybe like Scott Snyder, uh, we could apply to Zack Snyder, 10% less would be perfect. You know, just the for 10% Snyder less is rule. Like 30% less. For, Scott Snyder is like for 5 you. to 10%. For you. But yeah. 30% of four hours is still like a two hour and 45 minutes. Shut up. We're over that. But really the only other thing is that because it is in continuity that the whole thing was, at ah, made you look. Yeah. That was a little disappointing to me. Just like if, but you if, still felt it in the moment. You do, you do. Uh, but then as you turn the page and it's like, oh, I've been had, you know? <laughs> like, uh, you feel you've been duped like Batman was duped a little bit. Which is better to have all of these things be true or to not have them be true? Yeah, I mean, you guys accused me of whatever when I was mad Batman didn't die and rises, but I just think that if that's what you're going to do with your story, 
then, you know, make it count. No, I think that's a totally fair criticism. It's just like, I like the Bat Family characters. Yeah. So not having them be dead is cool in my book. Yeah. And again, I felt it in the moment and I didn't even have any of those thoughts of like, oh, well, this can't be because they have to keep living. Yeah. But that's a fair criticism. Well, that is really underscoring how well the story is told because you are exactly the person who would say, well, I know this isn't going to be real. Yeah. And I was thinking about that in when I was watching what we'll talk about next, the soul of the dragon of like part of beyond like a super like nitpicky critical mindset. Yeah. Cause I start everything that way. It's just like a character fly. Everything is like looking for holes and things to pick apart. How I relate, how including people, the two of you, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> how, uh, I more so apply that to people than to Batman the things that make you happy. Yeah. Um, but like how far into this thing I'm consuming, if it happens at all, do I stop doing that because I'm caught up in the story? Yeah. And with this, like, that was turned off for most of this because it pulled me in pretty early. That's great. Yeah, which anything, I think that's just a good indicator of how well they're doing their job because if you approach everything from such a skeptical place, like, just the opposite of somebody else is, like, waiting to be, um, like, I'm just waiting for something to throw me off. You're waiting for something to bring you into it fully. Yeah. And so for you to get lost into something, then that means that they've been effective. At least on whatever those things are for me. Yeah. Other cons from you guys? Uh, nope. I had a good time reading this. Yeah, I don't think I really have any. Trifecta. Detective? All the chemical analysis he does throughout the story of like yeah. finding traces of these things or this is what the compound does or all that. There's a lot of that, him analyzing things using science. Yeah, like these chemicals are made at Ace Chemicals. Oh shit, he's doing the yeah. Red Hood thing. We got to go there. And yeah, I had the same note. Ninja? Fighting uh, all those guys. Yeah, fight, fight, fight all those guys. Yeah, lots of fights, uh, escaping, being tied up with the gloves off, escaping the vat of chemicals, escaping the electric chair. Lots of good Houdini shit. Trauma? It's not explicitly said, which I actually think is good about it because they, in so many of these type of stories, they do beat you over the head with it. Yeah. The whole idea of him not trusting the people that he's brought into his circle because yes. he doesn't trust and he's afraid of losing them and all that kind of stuff. And then his whole inner, like, does he do this because he's, he's trying to make the world better or does he do this just because he's messed up and how the Joker pulls that out of him or what the Joker sees in him, which is all tied to his damage. I really appreciate that you were able to intuit that from oh, you're what we were given because I wasn't necessarily reading into that but we know this character's motivations, and so you're seeing his behavior and going, oh, well, that's a byproduct of all these things we know. So that's, that's good. It doesn't always need to be explicitly said, and I like that they didn't do that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that Batman and Joker have so much of a history that generally I think of Batman's trauma just pertaining to his parents' murder, but Joker and Batman have like enough of a rapport that he has like separate trauma attached to Joker yeah. and like his longevity and his influence in his life. So as you were saying that, Ben, I was thinking like, if anything, a lot of it is like him trying to get past the Joker and trying to like think his way through stuff and like come to terms with what this dude is or isn't. Well, and I think the story deserves a, a huge note of recognition for being a story 
that is about the Joker versus Batman to only have one explicit moment of him saying like, you won't kill me. And that's all, well, like all that stuff, which is like the whole point of the killing joke. And so many stories are about like, you won't kill me and you won't do this and I'll make you do it to have this be a Joker versus Batman story. That is not all about that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not like, yeah. on the written page. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's uh, familiar in many ways, but it is its own thing. And I, I really dig it. I guess with that, I'll segue into the rating. I am going to give it a four. I think a four is what I want to give it. Like my gut is to say four and a half, but I think four is probably how I feel about it. Yeah, four is good for me too. I think it's in its own way one of the all times, but we've had our discussion about it. I do have, just thought of it, additional pro going through the back of the book and you got your cover gallery. And he does those separate versions of pretty much the same picture, like two with Batman's face, but one's kind of Jokerized. Yeah. But then you have the ones with a couple of the Jokers, and one is actually him, no gross face, and just the muscle version of his oh. face. It's a weird thing to think is awesome, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> it's cool. I like when you can't see people's skin. Yes. You see the real them. Man, talking about oh, this, yeah, makes yeah. me... And I, I know that the internet is good for this because... A lot of times I have no idea what to call stuff. and so somebody's been in the same bo- Is that what you're about to say? No, but we're talking about how the parts of like the face between the musculature, mm. because like a tendon is the part of you that allows the movement, but it's not like there's probably tendons in your forehead. So what's the white separation between the muscle when it isn't allowing for movement? I want to know what that's called. Skull? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, like yeah, you well, see it, and that's why I said the Attack on Titan thing, because some of the in this anime called Attack on Titan, some of the characters don't have any skin. They're like big monsters that look like people. But you see that in human like musculature where in the face, there's a white strip that runs down from the forehead down. And then in between all the horizontal muscles of the face, there's also small white lines. And But yeah, I don't know what that stuff does. Yeah, it's a separation, it's but it doesn't aid in the movements of anything, mm-hmm. I don't think. If either of you guys start ripping off people's faces to look inside... You know, we can discuss that on a later episode. Yeah, I definitely haven't started. Doing but how is that going to teach me the name, anyways? I'm just going to be cutting people's faces with no answers. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bad Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you are new to the show, Take a dive back through our catalog. We started season one with Tim Burton and we've done everything under the sun. There's just so much Batman to talk about, so much more on the way. We are back to our every other Friday schedule, Thursdays at midnight, of course, if you're on the West Coast. And we're going to switch back to animation on the next episode. As fun as it is to do something like this that we all enjoy and agree on, it's even more fun to talk about something that we have different opinions on, okay? So we're going to go back to Bruce Wayne's Martial Arts Origins. It's an animated film called Batman Soul of the Dragon. Stay tuned.